Hello and welcome to the first episode of the collegehockeyinsider.com podcast. I am Mike McMahon. Welcome. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you checking out our show, our podcast, our first one. Uh, and today we're going to be joined by the head coach at Canisius, Trevor Larch, to talk a little bit about their current season. Canisius has had some starts and stops, but if you're paying attention in Atlantic hockey, they're playing really, really well, better than I think anybody expected at the beginning of the year. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, just their season as a whole and then kind of his journey to becoming a coach. That's what this podcast mainly is going to be about. Uh, I think uh, everybody has a story to tell. Everybody has a path that took them to college hockey. And that's that goes for coaches. It goes for obviously players. Everybody has a path that got them to where they are, and everybody's path is different. Uh, and, and those are the stories that I kind of want to explore on this podcast. And there's going to be uh, obviously we're going to talk about current events as well. We did with Coach Large today. Like I said, we talked a lot about the Canisius season to this point, um, but. We also talked about what got him started in coaching to begin with and uh, what got him interested in coaching and why uh, and kind of the, the mentors that he had uh, early on in his career that, that shaped his style and shaped the way that, that he is, addresses his team today uh, up at Canisius. We also talked about COVID, obviously, and how that's affected this year and how that's had to affect uh, what they've done from a coaching standpoint. So that's what I want this podcast to be about I hope to do it every week. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, there's going to be times that the schedule gets in the way. So w- this is not going to be posted with any sort of regular schedule, unfortunately, at least here at the start. Um, but I'm going to try to get one up every week with a different coach. Uh, I'm going to start with coaches. We can branch out and have some other guests from time to time. But I mainly want this to be a show where uh, coaches can sit down and, and talk about their story and talk about their path. Because, like I said, everybody's path is different. That's one thing I've learned from covering college hockey now for the last 15 years is everybody gets to college hockey a different way. Uh, as much as, as parents will think uh, for their, their kids that are out there now trying to get to college hockey, that there's one path to take. Everybody's path is different and everybody has a unique story to tell. Coach Large's story is, is very unique. In fact, he told a story and I, and I wish I hadn't stopped recording because I had stopped recording at this point. We were just talking, but uh, here's a guy who gave up hockey at 15 years old. He didn't play for a year because he didn't want to and then came back at 16 and three years later had a, a Division One scholarship to go to Ferris State. That turned into a, a four-year career there under Bob Daniels and then you know, here we are you know, years later and he's the head coach of a program himself. So everybody has that story of how they arrived at, at where they are now and that's what I want this podcast to explore, those stories. Obviously, we're going to talk about the current events because they're right in front of us uh, but but ultimately, I want to talk more about the the journey that guys took, the path that that guys took to get to where they are today as coaches. And I, you know, at some point, I'm sure we'll branch out and do some player stuff as well. But at least as I start this, it's going to be mostly coaches because I think uh, I've always had an interest in in how coaches got to where they are, the path that they took to get to where they are, uh, and also the kind of the behind the scenes stuff of how do you how do you form a culture how do you kind of cultivate a culture as a program that stuff has always fascinated me and that, that's the stuff I want to talk about with different coaches on this show so that's what I want this podcast to be uh, again I appreciate you checking it out if you are not a subscriber to collegehockeyinsider.com I would love it if you considered us uh, basically Everybody knows I'm still with CHN and I'm still with Neutral Zone. Uh, CollegeHockeyInsider.com is kind of where everything else goes. Uh, so we do a lot of feature stories over at CHN. In fact, I have one that ran this week on Tristan Mullen, who transferred to Vermont after 
three years at Cornell uh, and kind of his journey from Cornell to Vermont. And obviously last year, I mean, it looked like that Cornell team very well could have won a national championship last year uh, if the season, if the playoffs weren't canceled in March. So he talked a lot about that. Uh, CHN, I'm going to have a lot of feature stories still that go up at CHN. Uh, Neutral Zone is where all of the recruiting coverage goes, all the junior hockey coverage goes. And then collegehockeyinsider.com is kind of where I put everything else. Uh, I have a lot of analysis up on the site right now. If you check it out, uh, you'll see posts on the NCAA tournament. You'll see posts on uh, Albany being added as the fourth regional site, uh, the NCAA extending the recruiting dead period and what that could mean. Everything that that I post at collegehockeyinsider.com is not just news I'm going to give you news, and then I'm going to try to give you what that news means. We're going to uh, uh, we're going to analyze everything that goes up on the site. It's it's my spot for uh, exclusive insider news. I've done I've broken some stories there when the SNHU Arena backed out of the Manchester Regional. Uh, we had it there first, um, so there's there's a lot of insider news that that goes up that I come across uh, over the course of the week, talking to, to coaches and talking to sources, and, and a lot of that news gets reported there. Um, and, and it's also where all kind of my analysis will go. Uh, again, bringing you the news, but also bringing you what that news could mean. And, and there are also posts where we go through every single conference and give you um, kind of a synopsis and some thoughts on where each program stands currently. But uh, like I said, a lot of stuff goes up there. I try to post at least at least three, four times a week, sometimes multiple posts in a day. Uh, the great thing about Substack is uh, you don't even need – to go to the website. If, if you sign up and subscribe through our Substack, uh, you will get those posts delivered right to your inbox. Uh, so anytime I post anything, it gets right into your email, and you can check it out right from your email. You don't even have to go to the website. Uh, it's, but, but it'll always make sure that you're up to date on everything and, and, uh, and, and, again, give you kind of my analysis on the news as it comes down as well. If you want to check us out, there's in, in the post here for the podcast – there's a promotional button. All you got to do is click it, and you're going to get seven days for free uh, to our, our uh, subscriber content. Some of the stuff does go up for free. A lot of it's behind the subscriber paywall. If you click that button, though, uh, you're going to get a seven-day free trial of all of our exclusive stuff. I think you can go back uh, on, through the archives to get the subscriber content from the last few weeks all the way going back, I think, to December, like I said. So uh, I would appreciate it if you gave us a shot and checked us out. I think you'll like what you see. Uh, feel free to contact me through Substack as well. If you're already a subscriber, we do mailbags. Uh, we do everything. If you have questions, kind of if you're a Substack, Substack subscriber over at collegehockeyinsider.com, if you're a subscriber there, you kind of have a, a, a one-way ticket to me. Uh, so if you have any questions over the course of the year, whether it's for a mailbag feature or if it's just something else, if it's like a, hey, I'm a fan of so-and-so uh, in this team, what do you think? Uh, that It's a place for people to have conversations. So I, I've been getting a, a lot of enjoyment out of it, and I think you will too. So check us out. Again, there's a button right in the post here for a seven-day free trial to our subscriber content at collegehockeyinsider.com. But now, let's get to kind of the main event of this podcast, uh, and that is our conversation with Trevor Lodge, the head coach of Canisius. All right, we're joined by the head coach of Canisius, Trevor Large. Coach, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Mike. How are things up in Buffalo? Uh, things are great. You know, there's snow on the ground. The backyard rink has been awesome this winter. Um, so we've been back there with the kids. Um, yeah, Buffalo is great. 
I <laughs> I actually really like it up there. My kids, well, they didn't this year, but they play in a hockey tournament up there around Thanksgiving every year. Uh, and it's funny, like a lot of the parents, because like, we've gone there like three or four years, they've started to be like, oh, again, 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 the same spot. And I go, I don't know what everybody's complaining about. Like, usually we catch a Sabres game. Last time we were up there, we, we caught a Canisius game one year. We caught a Niagara game the, the one of the other years just by happening, like how the schedule worked out. I'm like, it's, it's a good spot. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, especially that time of year, you know. There's no traffic. There's great food. Um, unbelievable people. Um, yeah, I'm not from Buffalo, but I've been here long enough to know it's it's a great city. We're, we're my family's very happy here. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, obviously your background in coaching, but also a little bit about this year. And let's start with this year because uh, I think you know, looking back, looking back at the preseason where you guys were picked in the coaches poll, and uh, people like myself doing you know our. our preseason predictions and, and stuff over the summer uh i i think i'll be honest with you i mean i think i had you guys ahead of mercyhurst but that was probably it and then you look at the way the things that have gone over the over the course of the season fourth in the conference and win percentage right now uh and it, it's funny like in, in trying to prep for for today i was looking back and i said you know what we should have maybe seen this coming when you look at how last year ended and uh, I think people, myself included, probably looked at just the record from last year, and, and that's you know a lot of how those preseason things tend to go, right? People kind of just go, well, what were the standings last year, and you, and you mess around with it a little bit. But after the break last year, I think you guys finished the year like 8-5-6 and six down the stretch after the break. So the the success that you guys have had this year, did, does it kind of feel like it, it started at the end of last year, specifically in the second half? Uh, it, it feels that way. You know, I... I and I'm not going to blame you, Mike, <laughs> uh, on the coaches' polls and things like that. But it's it is what happens, right? You look at it and go, okay, take the record. Where did we where did we place? And you are what your record says you are. Um, we also were losing. You know, Matt Hoover was second in the conference in scoring, and Nick Hutchison, I think, was fourth. Uh, both graduated. Uh, Matt Steef was a really really good defenseman for us, and um, was an all conference. Uh, player, so we lose, you know, you lose top players, and but that happens every year. Um, but I agree with you. The second half, we were we were strong. Um, it felt like um, we started to really play together, um, and the the second half was I'll put it in the category of uh, somewhat successful, right? We um, and then we've we spent a lot of time this summer. Um, talking about, okay, where do we need to see improvements? And the staff spent a lot of time to, to target some areas and it kind of came into fruition. Um, the guys bought in, it was, uh, maybe a, a team that was not dependent on, uh, one or two or three players to score. We've had, you know, depth of scoring has been part of our success goaltending, we had a young young uh, goaltending uh, duel with uh, Jake Barcheski and Matt Ladd uh, last year, and now they're you know a little bit older, a little bit uh, a little bit more seasoning there, and, and and they've been playing really well together. Um, so all in all, I, I I'll say I agree with you. Um, it felt like it was coming, but you never know. It's it's a different year. It's a different team. Uh, every team's got uh, in the conference is 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 bringing in players and losing players at the same time. So the beginning of the year, it's tough. It's tough on you guys to pick. And even on us coaches, like we don't, we don't know. Yeah, every team is, is different and we've had some good success so far this season. 
Uh, it's funny you mentioned the two goalies and uh, talking to coaches around you know around the country. A lot of times, you, you know, people will struggle with that. If you've got two that are playing well, uh, who do you go with? I mean, it can be it can be a struggle, but at the same time, uh, I've watched your games this year over the course of the season, and I've happened to catch both Jacob and Matt when they've been in there, and it seems like in the numbers bear it out. Uh, both those guys give you a chance to win every night. So a lot of times people will say if you have, you know, you have two goalies, you don't have one. But I think in your case and in some other teams' cases around the country too, you just you have two starters. Both of them are going to play, and both of them give you a chance to win. And this year, it's, it's I think it's even more beneficial with just all of the, you know, you take all the the inconveniences that can come your way, um, whether it's testing and having a guy go down or um, just all the above big laps between, you know, a, 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 you play a game and a month later is your next game. Um, so trying to have, and then all of a sudden the past feels like two weeks here, we've had a whole bunch of games. <clears throat> so the managing workload is, is different. It, it's, we've had more of a, in the past two and a half weeks has been more of a pro hockey schedule than a college schedule with the number of games. So we've had to manage workload, because it's not, it wouldn't be right to ride one guy for all the games that we played recently. It would just be too much. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's. I agree with the line. If if you know if you have two, you don't really have one. But this year, we, <laughs> I'm I'm really really glad that we have two, and they're, you know, they're, they're the backbone for us. They've been they've been playing great. So um, it's it's nice to have it. Definitely, and like you said, there's there's a lot of teams that have to do that, especially this year where things have been getting packed together, and and you guys have had it really packed together. You know, you've had some pauses in there, so like you said, you go almost a month without a game, or uh, you know, three or four weeks without a game, and then you get you know six or seven games kind of packed into a to a three week stretch where or almost two-and-a-half-week stretch, which you really wouldn't see throughout the course of, of a normal regular season. I think I'm looking at the 9th to the 20th, so in 11 days, you guys had six games. I mean, I I don't remember any – and it's just it's a necessity this year, but uh, in a typical college hockey year, I'm not sure that that would ever happen. You know, six games in 11 days, you're usually playing, you know, maybe – Maybe maybe four games in eleven days, or, or or six games in eleven days, just a lot. I mean, you're basically playing almost every other day on average, right? And you mix in a, a trip to Colorado Springs, and yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it just it it it's there's a point, <laughs> there's a point where, and I think we've hit that point, and we've come back and had a quick refresher here, but um, it, it, it it's it's difficult too because in the in the the time that you know we we play a game and you take a month off and we're also not able to practice in there. You know, um, I remember going through it and counting like maybe three full team practices. Um, when we're trying to recover from some positives and all of the above, it's, you know, you look back and you, you, I think you always do this. You wonder, how did you, how did you get through it? And you just, you just do, right. We have a, a team that believes in each other and, whatever's in front of us, you just, you just keep going. Um, this has been a, a great year to, for that mentality. Has, has it been challenging, I guess, as, as a coaching staff to, to manage that on top of just managing the kind of the everyday stuff that you're managing when you're, you're coaching a college hockey team? Cause I would imagine the, the stretches of, of when you're off are almost, uh, they present different challenges, but have to be as challenging as it would be in the middle of a season when you've got, 
you know, a team full of guys where, like you said, their their activity level goes way down because there's there's not team practices. You're they're kind of left to their own devices, but you got to stay in communication with them. I mean, is it it's a different set of challenges, I'm sure. But what have those challenges been like as a staff to try to manage manage the start and stops, and, and especially how you kind of still coach those kids through the stops? Yeah, it's it's, it's really difficult. Um, we were able to do some. Uh, we worked on our culture, to be honest, Mike. Like we 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 had some activities that um, the guys were were um, you know challenged to you know break down some things. Not just it, there's a little bit of hockey in there, but it's also you know we actually took the um, I think everybody's seen it. Anybody that likes sports, uh, we took the last dance um, episodes and we broke them down and had guys you know look at leadership. Um, uh, look at some culture uh, and kind of pull out some of the ideas in each episode and then present it to the group. And it, it was, it was unbelievable to see the presentations they put together with videos and pictures and, you know, trying to tap into who we are. And um, those things are, are very helpful in culture. Um, so there was some, I say, you, you want to do work. You just, you can't do the normal things that you're doing. You can't break down your own games. There's no games. Um, we were watching opponents play together. You know, that seemed to be a, a fun activity that I haven't been able to do with uh, with my team before is to sit there and, you know, watch Atlantic hockey games because yeah. we're all just sitting there waiting. Um, I say the hardest part has been really the connections. You know, you, you don't get to see them face-to-face. You're not having uh, one-on-one meetings where you can put your arm around them. You know, you're you're doing everything via Zoom and, um, it is, it's beneficial and we've been able to do some good things, but man, it's hard to, you know, really build those one-on-one connections that I think are ultra important. Um, that may, has maybe been the biggest challenge for us as a staff is how do we, maybe not so much with the older guys, but with the younger guys, how do you cultivate that relationship that we, we really care about? That's, that's probably been the biggest challenge. Has it helped being able to have the other members of the staff around? Because obviously, you know, usually over the course of a season, the assistants are off, you know, recruiting probably half the time or, or maybe even more in some cases. But with none of that happening, uh, everybody's on campus. Once once you are finally able to be back as a group, has it helped to have that whole staff there and, and kind of your whole program in one place as, a, as opposed to, you know, maybe a normal year where those guys are on the road? I think it's been, it, it has been oddly beneficial, I'd say. I mean, it, it obviously hurts in recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we all want to be out there and watching junior hockey games. And, you know, you're probably doing more via video that way, obviously, than anything else. Um, but, yeah, it, it definitely has some benefits that, you know, we, we're, we're there every day, right? We're, we're, we're around each other every day. We're um, breaking down games probably even more so. I didn't know that was possible, but I don't think we usually do on, on breaking down our game and other games, but, you know, we're finding um, more areas to work on. And, and instead of Marty or Taylor being out in British Columbia or overseas somewhere or anywhere around, you know, North America, they're, they're right beside you. Uh, so I, I think that is helpful. I wish there was a way that we could always have that, you know, you want to expand, your staff as much as you can, especially you like this, where you see the benefits of having, you know, your two full-time assistants with you all the time, along with the other staff. It's, um, there are definitely some benefits there. It's, it's, it's helpful for our team game. It is, you know, I talk about the relationships with players as well. Um, 
that is helpful. You know, I, I think about my time as an assistant and it's just, it is what it is. You're, you're there for, I don't know if you're there for 40, 50, 60% of your games. Um, that's the normal year. And now being able to be at all of them, um, I think it's helpful for the staff and I think it's helpful for the players. Yeah. I, I've talked to a couple of coaches who just said, you know, the, the kind of that culture and the relationships that you talk about, they get built, uh, over the course of this year, you got to take the positives uh, anywhere you can, obviously. And one of the positives of, of having those guys around is that you would you would think that the relationships with the assistants are going to be as as high as they would ever be. I mean, because obviously, a lot of times, I would I would imagine uh, the, the relationships with the assistant coaches get built in the recruiting process because they're kind of the first point of contact with with the guys as you're going to recruit them through junior hockey and things like that. And then, you know, once they get in to the program the relationship is more sometimes with the head coach because some, like you said, the, the, the assistants are on the road and stuff like that. So now you've got a situation where uh, maybe your, your relationship between your assistant coaches and, and the players on the roster would be, you would think as high as it would ever be just because of the mere fact that, that they're around <laughs> and uh, around for, for everything as opposed to around for, uh, you know, just when they're not on the road. So uh, a lot of coaches have said, you know, you gotta, you gotta try to pull the positives out of this season, especially, you know, wherever you can. And, and that's one of the ones that a lot of people are looking at. It seems to be that, uh, is one a positive that a lot of people are pulling out of this year is that kind of the the relationships and the culture within their room is probably going to be as strong as it ever has because everybody has been together nobody has been that nobody's been on the road everybody's kind of been in in that bunker together for the whole year absolutely it's uh you know the one question we keep asking ourselves and i keep asking myself is what's the upside you know like that's just how you, you kind of have to live trying to have a college season through a global pandemic is there's going to be inconveniences that are going to show up, but um, it's not necessarily adversity. <laughs> adversity is when you're playing an opponent and you go, you know, down to nothing in the first five minutes. That's, that's adversity. We're, we're dealing with some, some pretty significant inconveniences and we just keep asking ourselves, you know, what, what's the upside. And I agree with you, Mike, I, I, you know, the, the having the staff around every day and, continuing to work on our relationship. We're probably around um, our guys a little bit more. And at the same time, we can't do those things that we want to do, right? The, the meetings, the face-to-face, like we're, we've been limited by that, but I just go again, what's the upside? The upside is we're all around and we just continue to work on it. Uh, overall, I want, I want to talk about your background too and, and how you got into coaching. Obviously you're a player at Ferris, uh, and then got into coaching in, in 06 with AIC as an assistant. How did how did that whole process kind of start for you? Because everybody that I've ever talked to about this has a different story about how they kind of got into coaching. And uh, how did the whole thing start for you? How did you first jump into coaching? And, and was it something as a player that you always thought you would get into at some point? Or, or was it something that maybe later on you thought about? Yeah, I'll try to be, I'll try, I'll try to be <laughs> quick with it. Um so my mom, my mom's a uh, behavioral teaching assistant. So yeah, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And I, I, I found my, my love of teaching um, kind of through her. Um, I always, in the back of my mind, thought about teaching. So it, it kind of goes there. Now, my, my dad, I got my love of hockey from my dad. He grew up um, in, in Mississauga, Ontario. I'm from Brampton. Um, we lived in the same house since I was three months old. 
Uh, my dad played for the Dixie Beehives in junior and was a really good hockey player. And, and that, when I think about, you know, the beginning for me, that's where it starts, right? Love of hockey, love of teaching. Um, I go just like everybody else in hockey. I had, I had great coaches. I had terrible coaches. Um, we all grow up with that experience. And as I got, for me, as I got through college, um, I, I didn't know if I wanted to coach hockey, really. I, I didn't. Um, so I go through Ferris, had a great experience. Um, love the coaches I had there. Coach Daniels, Flash, Pham, Milan. Um, I had, had unbelievable coaches when I was there. Um, I go, I go, I finished college. I was a computer programmer by trade. You got to remember, this is going back to 04, right? So in the 2000s, hey, Guaranteed job, really good pay, you know, Y2K, all of the above. Um, it's still that way. My, my brother's a computer programmer now. It's still that way. <laughs> right. It, it, it's, it's um, you know, my dad told me to take something hard, right? You got to take something difficult in, in college. I'm like, all right, I'll take computers. Um, so I go, I, I, I finish at Ferris. I graduate. I, I'm, I, try pro hockey a little bit just to say that I could. And I realized very quickly that my hockey career is over and I was okay with it. Um, I go, I go back home. I, I find a job that, um, that I liked in, in computers. So I was a programmer and um, it was a small, it was actually a truck leasing company, but I was running the, the, and developing uh, a computer package for them. And I realized after about a year and a half, I had, I had no interaction with people. I'd walk in the office, I'd say hello, um, I'd sit down at my desk, and at five o'clock, I'd say, "See, see you guys later." Nobody knew what I was doing. It wasn't interactive <laughs> or yeah. conversations, and I can't, I can't live like that. So I got, re- I, I honestly got really lucky. I, I called Coach Daniels. I said, "Hey, I just, I was volunteering at my mom's school. I really liked that." you know, just helping people. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I went, I, I just, I got to try it, right? I'm young. I'm, I'm at the, I can take a risk. I can try. And I remember calling coach Daniels and said, I, hey, I just, I want to get into coaching. I'm Canadian. Um, I can't get, I can't get a paying job. So I just applied for every GA position that I could get my hands on. And through those coaches and connections at Ferris, I was, I was able to, um, get the job. Gary Wright gave me my first opportunity. I'm so thankful for it um, at AIC for two years. My two years was spent with Eric Lang, their their head coach now, who's an absolute rock star. Um, so I, I I really got into coaching because I went I need <laughs> I need interaction with people. I can't do this computer thing. I'm out, and uh, <laughs> just got really really lucky um, to get started there. Yeah, it, it, I, I always love stories like this because everybody has their own kind of story on, on what got them started. Either uh, a coach they had that kind of pushed them towards it, or or if they found it themselves. And uh, it's always interesting to me a how how coaches get into coaching, and then uh, also once they kind of become a coach, how they mold and and kind of form their own what they want their culture to be and kind of what they want their, their style to be. Uh, have you, did you have a coach either as a player or uh, maybe, maybe as, a, as an assistant, a guy that you coached under that you kind of took a lot of things from as a head coach. Now, do you, do you find yourself kind of borrowing things from either coaches you had as a player or, or coaches that you've coached with? Yeah, you, you have to, 
right? You, you are what your experiences are. Um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to have some great mentors. So I go from, you know, Gary Wright with AIC and the connection with, with Eric was, was tremendous as an assistant. My next stop is Brian Riley at, at West Point for six years. And, you know, how do you not soak up everything you can while you're there? Um, I realized that you don't, Brian is such a good person. You don't have to be something you're not, right? You don't have to be, not every head coach has to be a scream and yell and demand. And you, <laughs> you, you show your, your team that you, you actually, you, you care about them. And then I go from, from Brian Riley to Dave Smith in my time here at Canisius as an assistant. And that just the wealth of knowledge there about all of the above, same things, how to be a good person, how to build trust, how to understand who you are and, and not try to be something different. My transition from assistant to head coach was uh, maybe a little bit different than other places because I was already at the school. Uh, I already knew the players. I had the relationships. So I, I think a huge benefit for me was in that transition, if I completely changed and the guys saw that, they they would go, Trevor, that's not, that's not you. Don't, like, that's not who you are. We know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was actually helpful for me to understand. Like, I don't have to be Dave Smith or Brian Riley or Gary Wright or Bob Daniels. Um, but they all exist in what I'm trying to do. Uh, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's really interesting. Cause you know, like I said, and you even said, it, you've got all those experiences that kind of, it does shape who you are for anybody, whether you're a coach or, uh, you know, even myself, like kind of the people that I've worked under in, in media and stuff, you know, there's always, you kind of pull things, you, you learn from every step along the way. And I'm sure it's the same for players too. I mean, as you kind of get players in there, uh, the players that you have in your program now, uh, I'm not going to ask you to name any names, but I'm sure there's guys that you may look at and be like, geez, you know, this guy would be a, a great coach one day, or uh, you kind of see those qualities in people as you as you have them in your locker room, as you coach them, as you kind of learn about them uh, away from the ice as much as on the ice. It, 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 it does. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know why it happens, Mike, to be honest, but, like, you look at Ferris. Right. And the number of players that have are now in the, the coaching world, all, they're, we're all over the place. I, I believe that has absolutely something to do with Bob Daniels as a as a person, as a coach, Drew Famulak, you know, Jeff Blaschel was um, I was his first recruit. And I, I love the line that I was his first mistake. And I love where he is now. Right? <laughs> of the Red Wings, and I can I can say that. Um, Derek Lalon, like these guys are, are now at the highest level of, of the profession. Um, you know, Phil Osir was a goalie of mine. He's now in Detroit as the, you know, their, their goaltending, head of goal, goaltending. Um, Taylor Nelson's on my staff. He was an all American goalie who played in the national championship game for fair. You know, Cody Chup is in the USHL. Um, and I'm, I'm just scratching the surface. We're everywhere. Seth yeah. Appert's the head coach in Rochester. And, um, there's, there's something about, um, there's something about that place, right? There's something in the water. I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but, um, I think it's got a lot to do with, with coach Daniels and, um, the experiences we all had there that we understand, you know what, like 
we're surrounded by good people. We love the game of hockey. Um, we want to stay involved. And what better way to stay involved than to pass along the knowledge that you've learned in the game and, and try to help young players? It, it, it has to be. I mean, that that's the one consistent, right? Coach Daniel seems to be the one consistent among all those those years of guys that have gone on to coach. And like anything, I mean, I'm sure if if – if players like yourself and, and all the other guys that have come through that program, if they didn't if they didn't have a good experience with their coaches, they're not going to get into coaching themselves. If they didn't have a good experience as college hockey players, they're not going to want to stay in the game. I wouldn't think, right? So, it's uh, it, it's it's the experience that the coaches gives the players when their players almost kind of snowballs into whether or not they want to stay involved in the game. Because I've talked to guys, I've been around guys even. Uh, back when I was a student who uh, didn't have a great experience and and I I'm still friends with them now but they're not involved in the game anymore and I and I think some of that it gets kind of lost because of the fact that maybe they didn't have a good experience as a player or uh, it's the experience you have as a player I, I would think has a lot to do with whether or not you want to stay involved in the game and as a coach mentor players down the road right it's the best like it, it really is that um, you know, you, you go to practice and yeah, you're going through, you're getting them, you know, you're trying to develop them as hockey players. Um, I remember, uh, Brian Riley said to me, you know, I guess my recruitment process, which I found out it was more of a recruitment than an interview, but I thought it was an interview. He said, uh, if you care more about the game than just the game of hockey, you need to coach here. Right. And, and those are things that's always been in me, but that's just always been in something that I want to do that I want to, I want to help develop people. Um, I think I've learned a lot about myself through my um, experience in the game of hockey. Uh, and I, I, I'm still in it and still have a lot of great positive memories and, and friends that I um, am still very connected to. And you want that, right? You want that for the next generation coming up, and hopefully they're getting that from me and my program and, and any interaction that I can have with youth teams, uh, all of the above. You just you really want to help people have a great experience. I want the opposite of what it was for me in the programming <laughs> industry, right? I was, I'm in it for a year and a half, and I'm out, and I hope I never go back. Um, <laughs> That's uh, hopefully everybody stays involved in the game of hockey in some facet. So that's the plan. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, this is the first one I did. So like I said before we started recording, I appreciate you taking the uh, the leap doing the first one. You, I, I wasn't able to email and be like, hey, I've done these five. And <laughs> they, uh, I appreciate the trust in, in jumping in here with num- number one for me. So I, I really appreciate it. Good luck with Niagara this weekend and, uh, and obviously the playoffs coming up in, in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it. I think these are the these are the best things we can do as coaches and get connected with people. And hope for everybody listening um, gives us a little bit of patience as we were, you know, number one. And hopefully, it just keeps getting better. So I wish you luck. Thanks. I appreciate it. I want to again thank Coach Large for being our guest today. I, I told him uh, uh, right at the end of the conversation he was nice enough to be my my first my first guest 
Uh, sometimes it's hard to book the first one, right? You don't have that that history to be able to go and say, well, you know, I've done these four or five guys. You can trust me. Uh, so he took that leap of faith with me. So again, I appreciate his time. I appreciate him coming on and, and sharing some stories. Uh, and we'll be back with this soon. I've, I've got some other guys lined up, some other coaches lined up that I'm going to be talking to soon. So uh, hopefully we drop another episode uh, shortly here, um, maybe within the next week or so. So be on the lookout. I'll post these all obviously on social media. I'm in the process of getting the podcast uh, listed with Apple and Spotify and all those other services. But for now, if you do want to subscribe to our podcast, there is a link in this post of, of the show. If you clicked it online, you, you came to the website, uh, there is a, a instructions and an RSS link that you can manually put into a podcast feed. And that'll make sure that all of our podcasts, anytime they're uploaded, get pushed right to your, to your mobile devices, your podcast uh, devices, your podcast apps, because I know people use different ones. Uh, it should get it should get pushed right there, and then obviously, like I said, in the meantime, uh, we're also in the middle of of trying to get the show registered with Apple and Spotify and all the other different podcast platforms. So, uh, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for downloading the show and giving it a listen. Thanks to Coach Large uh, for his time today, and we will see you after a while.